I invite you to take your, take your bulletin. If you turn over to page 3, you'll find the scripture that we're going to read this morning that contains our sermon text as well as uh, the outline for our message this morning. As I mentioned, we've been studying the book of Ephesians, Paul writing to these saints in Ephesus. The first three chapters is Paul expounding the good news of what God has done through his son, taking those who are far off, dead in sin, making them alive in Christ, and connecting him to himself and to his people. And then in the second half, chapters 4 to 6, Paul begins to talk about what it looks like to live out this good news, to walk the Christian walk. And we, we started a section last week that begins at verse 17 in chapter 4, where Paul talks about personal holiness. What does it look like to, to live uh, that personal life of righteousness and uprightness that God calls us to? Verses 17 to 24 set out the general principles, and then he starts in verse 25 uh, to give a rapid-fire list of areas of life where we, we, we do this, we, we live this out. Uh, and we're actually going to slow ourselves down a little bit and take the take that rapid-fire list, kind of one topic at a time. Uh, this morning we're going to just look at verse 25 uh, as, we, as we think about truth and lies uh, together. But we'll, we'll back up to verse 17 just for our reading to get a sense of where how Paul sets this up, because he really is... Uh, assuming you know the first part, to then apply it in specifics. So let's, let's begin just by reading God's word, uh, beginning at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Uh, let's, let's pray together. Father, we do ask that you would use this, your word, uh, to build up, to encourage, to challenge, to save, to glorify your name here in this place, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you're, if you're listening closely to when Mike and Tori were taking those vows a few minutes ago, you noticed that not just once, but twice, they promised to lead a godly life, to pursue holiness. Twice, they said. Uh, first, we're, we're talking about their own faith in Christ, their, their trust in Jesus as Savior and as Lord of their life. They promised to put to death their sinful deeds and desires, and to lead a godly life. And then, the, then they were talking about their, their service and example to their children. They, they promised that they would set an example of godliness and piety before their kids. And, and a majority of you here have taken vows very similar to these. 
uh, even these exact ones, whether it's about you professing your faith or, or, or uh, with regard to your children. Uh, and, it's, of course, it's not just an Emmanuel thing. Uh, this is from the scriptures. This is what Paul's talking about here. Uh, that God's work of rescuing his people is a rescue he wants to do and promises to do completely. So it starts with forgiveness and a new heart, but then flows out to every part of who we are, uh, including the, the full transformation of our lives and our being. That's not going to be finished until glory, but he, he's having us pursue it now as his spirit works within us. And, and we're going to look carefully at how Paul talks about specific areas of life and wants us to think about uh, this work of transformation. Not only what he wants us to do, but why he wants us to do it and how it's possible. And we're going to discover uh, that at each place, it's both harder than we thought, but also more glorious than we thought. So we get to Paul's first topic. Uh, it's maybe, we think, a strange place to start in talking about a, a list of things that you need to do for personal holiness. Uh, put away falsehood. Speak the truth. We might be tempted to say, yeah, okay, I get it. Thanks, Pastor. You know, don't bear false witness. I learned that one in Sunday school. Pretty easy. Don't lie. Let's move on. But it's actually both harder than we think and more glorious than we think. Uh, let's take a look more carefully at, at verse 25 in the context of the rest of Scripture and see just uh, this wonderful life that the Lord is calling his people to. We'll discover uh, that just like he's introduced before in general, now he gets to in specific, that this work of the Christian life has to do with a putting off and a putting on. Uh, just like we said last week about like clothing, you, you put off the old life, you put on the new, uh, and Jesus right there in the middle of it. So sure enough, in this verse, as he goes to talk about this new topic, he gives us something to put off, and he gives some, us something to put on. So let's take it kind of piece at a time, uh, and we'll see just how deep and just how glorious it ends up being. So we begin with what to, what to put off. We need to put off falsehood and lies and and we, we quickly discover in the context of Scripture that the problem is actually much, much bigger than we think. Why do people lie? Why? Why do you lie? Come on, be honest. We do. Right? Don't lie. You lie. But why? Why do it? Well, to, to really get down to the core of it uh, is critical because if you don't know why you do it, you're not going to be able to change it. Uh, you won't understand how God plans to change it. Why do we lie? Why do you lie? Well, let's go back to where lies first began. Do you know the first lie that was ever told on this earth? We read it this morning. There, back in the book of Genesis, back in the garden, there was God's perfect, spotless, holy, truth-filled world, and enter the lie. Right? Satan appears in the form of the serpent, that enemy of God, a creature himself, a fallen angel, not God, or, or a God-like being, but, but, a, but a creature, uh, angel fallen, but against God, and he speaks that first lie. Remember what he tells he tells Eve, Adam, we're told, right there, standing by. But the serpent said to the woman, 
You will not surely die, right? He's talking about eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Yeah, that's a lie. It's, it's a lie on the surface, and it hides a really big, really ugly lie underneath. So the lie right there on the surface uh, is, uh, the serpent says, Oh, you eat that? You're not going to die like God said. You'll actually be like him. Yeah, that's a lie, as they soon discover. They eat, they don't turn out like God, and sure enough, they do die. Spiritually, in the very moment, and physically, uh, in, in the, the future. So, on the surface of it, it's, it's a lie that Satan tells. But notice that it hides something much more sinister that's packaged with it. Notice what the serpent is saying to Adam and Eve. Uh, he's saying to them, You do realize God is not good, and you can have life apart from him. Isn't that what he's saying? God's not good. Don't you see what he's, what he's holding back from you? Don't you see what he's keeping you from? You could be like God, but he's, he's keeping you from it. He's not good. And you know what? You actually can have life, real life, fullness of life apart from him. That's a lie. That is the big lie. Right, I know. Politicians are talking about what happened in the election. Who told the big lie? You know, we can say to the world, you know, that's actually nothing. This is the big lie. This is the lie that, that Adam and Eve bought into and brought the whole world into fallenness and darkness and chaos. And it's the lie that each of us begins our life built upon. Adam and Eve buy into it. And they fall. And, and their whole being is, is darkened because of it. And it's still the lie that is believed and lived on. So you, you fast forward in scripture, go to the book of Romans. And in Romans 1, Paul is talking about fallen humanity. Uh, he's talking about uh, what it looks like uh, for people to be separated from God. And he describes it in terms of a lie. Here's what he says in Romans 1, verse 25. He says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and served the creature rather than the creator. Right? There's, there's how he sums up the, the problem, the fallenness. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. Uh, and, and then he, he connects it to worship. Right? We, we serve the creature rather than the creator. So, the truth of God for a lie. Well, you see, that's, that's Adam and Eve. That's what they did. Right? This, this truth that God is the only source of life. God is the only source of goodness. And yet, they trade that in, Adam and Eve did there in the garden, for the lie that life could be found somewhere else. That life could be found in created things. That's where Paul goes. Uh, worship the creature rather than the creator. Uh, so Paul's explaining the big lie in terms of worship. I wonder if we can wrap our minds around this. Uh, worship. We all worship something. It's just a question of what. 
will we worship the true God that we were created to worship or worship something else? Uh, well, you can tell what you worship. It's the thing your heart believes is the source of true life. That which you, at the deepest core of who you are, look to for this is life. This is joy and satisfaction and what is real and true and lasting. This is life. That which you look to for life is the thing you bow down to, is the thing you give your heart to, your life to. Uh, and here's what Paul is saying. What we do uh, in, in our fallenness is, is we, we trade the truth. The creator is meant to be that source of life. He is the only source of life. But we trade in that for the lie of created things. I'll run after a created thing thinking that's going to give me life. It could be all sorts of different things for different people. Um, you, could, you could look to money and possessions, thinking if I gather enough stuff and make my life comfortable enough, that, that's the good life. That is real life, your heart begins to think. Well, that's the thing that you're worshiping. Right? You're, you're worshiping created things as this is the ultimate, this is my God, this is what will give me life. Of course, it's a lie. It can't, it won't. But you trade in the creator for the creature, believing the lie that it can give you life. Or perhaps you, you run after having a good reputation, having other people think well of you and good of you. And that's what drives you in, in, in different interactions, in different moments. That's what your heart looks to. Ah, this is life. Everybody thinks I'm wonderful. That's what you worship. Yourself, your good reputation, the opinions of others. It's what has your heart. It's what you look to for satisfaction. Uh, of course, it's a lie. It will never give that to you, but you've traded in the, cre the creator for a created thing, thinking it will give you life. Do you see the big lie? It rules our life. It's not just something that we do. It's down to the very core of, of who we are and what we build our life on. Um, and this is, this is why, as we get to our subject of, of, of truth and, and lies, this is why we end up practicing lies. Right? We say, well, well, why would someone lie? Right? We, don't, we don't lie just for the fun of it. Uh, lying in and of itself isn't, isn't particularly fun. If I just stood up here and told you, the grass outside is blue. Yeah, it's a lie. It's not very fun. No, we only tell lies that do something for us, that, that we're, we're motivated by something. We're motivated by worship. So let's take an example. Probably, probably the situation where we're most likely to, to lie. And that's in when we're in some kind of interpersonal conflict, some kind of situation of tension, you and, and someone else. Uh, we almost always... Uh, are fall into, or at least tempted, or if not fall into lying in that situation, right? I'm going to, well, I'm going to exaggerate how bad you are. I'm going to play up, focus on, maybe even make up how bad you are in this situation. And, conveniently, uh, I'm going to uh, leave out, minimize, even completely fudge the truth about me. 
not that bad. Actually, I've done all sorts of righteous things. We, we highlight, we make up, we fudge, we lie. Why? Because we're motivated by worship. Uh, it's not fun in of itself. We're after something. Uh, we're after what we think in that moment is going to give us life. We think, well, if I can lie about you, well, then that makes you look not so great, and it makes me look really good. And if I lie about me, well, then it makes me look good. And all of a sudden, you see, you see the idea? It comes down to the heart and what we're after and, and really what we're worshiping. In that moment, you're worshiping yourself. You're thinking, that is what's gonna, that's what's going to do it. That's what's going to deliver uh, life to me, satisfaction to me. And so you're willing to lie to achieve it. It's a worship problem. It's the big lie. It's thinking that you can find life apart from God. And you buy into it, and I buy into it, and we build our whole lives on it. The problem of lies is bigger than we think. Which means we're going to need a solution that is much bigger than we might originally imagine. When we talk about truth and lies, we can't just swap out a few verbal habits. Okay, I'm going to stop talking like this and start talking like that. That's not going to do it because it's a, it's a deep problem at the core of our being. We need a full, complete rescue. And so sure enough, uh, the rescue arrives. And it's a person. The truth, the solution is a person. Truth arrives and truth saves. And I'm thinking here, Bible's thinking here about Jesus. Uh, the Bible describes Jesus as the true one. Oh, that's, that's Revelation. Uh, Revelation, um, well, uh, 20, uh, excuse me, verse 3. He's the Holy One, the true one. Uh, chapter 3, verse 14. He's the faithful and true witness. Jesus is the very embodiment of truth. John, as he introduces Jesus in his gospel, remember, uh, introduces Jesus as the Word. The Word, he's, he's communication from God. In his very being, the word becomes flesh, dwells among us. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the very embodiment of truth, the truth of God. Uh, not only does he, he, he embody it, then he, he lives it in his life. Peter summarizes the life of Jesus uh, with, these, with these words. Interestingly, he uses the language of lies and deceit. Uh, he says, this is 1 Peter 2, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. So here's Jesus, in describing his, his righteous, perfect, earthly life. Peter says, yeah, he committed no sin, and here's a prime example, the highlight of it, he, deceit was not found in his mouth. The very problem we have with deceiving not Jesus. And then Paul, or Peter brings up the example, a situation, the very situation where we're tempted most to deceive, right? When we're reviled, when someone attacks us, when there's a conflict. Well, that's where we whip out the, uh, the big lies and, the, and go after someone. Lie about you, lie about me. But what about Jesus? Peter says when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When people... Uh, told lies about him. He didn't attack in return. Jesus, so, so in his being, he's the truth. 
in his practice, he speaks the truth and, and, and avoids lies. He even takes on the big lie we've been talking about. Now, remember, remember Jesus in the very early part of his ministry. He's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And there Satan comes to tempt him. Just like Satan had tempted Adam and tempted Eve, Satan comes to Jesus. This is the second Adam, the second representative of humanity. He comes to, he comes to Jesus, tempts him. And you look at the details and you start to realize, well, at the core of it, it's the same temptation as the garden. So Satan comes to Jesus and says, hey, if you're the son of God, turn that stone into bread. You here in the wilderness hungry, God led you here. Uh, you can have, Jesus, all the kingdoms of this world. Look at them. You can have all the kingdoms. Just worship me. Do you see how at the core it's the, it's the same thing? Satan is trying to trap Jesus in the big lie. Your father is holding out on you. He doesn't really love you. He's not really good. He's holding out on you. And you know what? You can actually have the glory. You can have the kingdom. You can have true life apart from him. Just worship me. The very lie we not only fall into, we build our whole lives on, but Jesus says no. Even, even responds with the truth of Scripture. He's the embodiment of truth. He practices truth. He takes on the big lie and conquers the very thing we're tempted uh, to, to, to miss, that we, that we fall into. And then at the end of his life, he dies because of lies. Now, isn't that, uh, from an earthly perspective, why Jesus ends up going to the cross? Because witnesses come forward and lie. They lie about him. Blasphemer. Uh, insurrectionist. Uh, pretender. Uh, a, a, a king who's going who's gonna to kick you off your throne, Nero, or uh, uh, Caesar. That's all lies. But the lies are told, and from an earthly level, from a human level, Jesus ends up going to the cross because of them. Start to think of what, what's being formed here. Jesus, uh, because of lies, ends up bearing guilt. That's not his. That's exactly the point. That's exactly what he came to do. That the one who is free of all deceit, the one who is the embodiment of truth and, and speaks with his words and with his being truth, uh, is, is condemned as if he were the liar, as if he were the guilty one, because he's taking the guilt for us. Uh, for all that guilt, uh, all that uh, condemnation that we deserve from God because we, we traded in the truth about him for a lie and we build our whole lives on that, trying to seek life apart from him, worshiping created things as if they were God. Now, all the guilt that we deserve for that, Jesus takes it. Jesus takes it. To rescue us. To deliver us. And that's why Paul says... The, the, the way from the, from the old life to the new, well, the big transition is Jesus. Now, we looked at this last week, but you can just see it at a glance in the passage that we, that we read. Uh, right, verses 17 to 19, he's talking about that old life. He even talks about uh, deceit and, 
impurity of heart, hardness of heart. But then what's the big transition? It's Jesus, verses 20 to 21. What, what transforms? What, what changes everything? Paul says, you learn Christ. You're taught Christ. Uh, you come to know, at the end of verse 21, the truth that is in him. This very truth that, that he is the one who, who rescues liars like us. Uh, who rescues false worshipers like us. So there, there is the hope. It's not in you trying harder or me trying harder. It's we need a Savior who has done it for us. And so we run to Jesus, convicted uh, of, who, of who we are by nature. We run to him who welcomes sinners because of what he did. Uh, so maybe that's you continuing to trust him as you have for years, or maybe even for the first time realizing that your life has been built on a big lie, you've been worshiping the wrong thing, and you need a rescue, and here it is in Jesus. And then, then you're ready in that rescue, in that strength, to live a new life. You're, you're ready to put on the new clothes. You, you've been made clean by Jesus through faith in him, and now you're, you're ready to put on the new, the new clothes of righteousness and, and holiness. And so you get to verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, in Christ, you're ready to live it out in the strength of Christ, right? because he's what you of what he's done. You're ready to you're ready to put away the lies. Okay, so you go back to those situations where you're tempted to lie. Maybe it's the one we talked about. There's some kind of tension with someone else. And our minds can automatically go to begin a, you know, how am I going to really play up how awful they are? Maybe even fudge it, make it up, and, you know, really kind of downplay how sinful I am. Now you're ready in that situation to speak what is true. Even if it makes someone else look good in comparison to you. I'm, I'm willing uh, to tell the truth about myself. Even if it means other people see that I'm not as great as, as they might have thought. Uh, I'm willing to have that come out into the in, into the air, into into truth. But you also you see how that flows right out of Christ, because what I was motivated for, by before, I don't need now. Right before, now in the old life, you, me, we were motivated in that situation. I got to lie about you and lie about me because I'm looking for life in myself, in in my reputation, and how everybody thinks of me. But if you're in Christ, and you know your life is secure in him, you know that in the creator there is true life and nothing in this world could ever take that from you, now lies really lose their appeal, their power. I don't have to lie about you, so what if you look better than me? It doesn't steal any life from me. So what if, if, if you come to the realization that, that I'm not as great as you maybe thought I was? Because the truth about something I did or said comes out into the open. Well, that's okay. I don't have to be scared of that. Because uh, that's not going to rip life from me. Because my life is secure in Christ. So now I can tell the truth about you. I can tell the truth about me. It's living out the truth of Christ. That's going to be hard. Uh, it's going to take work. But now you have the strength to do it. Now you have the, 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 the foundation of which to build that on, and it's Jesus. So there's no reason to lie, right? Put away the put away falsehood, speak the truth, 
the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You see where Paul's telling us primarily, or at least in, initially and most poignantly, to speak the truth. It's within the body of Christ. Right? The, the, the neighbor close connections he seems to be talking about here are within the, the church, members of one another. Now, of course, he speak the truth to others as well, but he says that's especially important in here because we're connected to one another. Uh, because speaking the truth only makes sense. If we're, if we're members, you're a part of the body, and I'm a part of the body. For me to lie about you is to hurt me, because we're in the same body. Right? If, 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 if your hand tells destructive lies about your foot, uh, you're just hurting yourself. And that's, that's what we do when we deceive one another. But now he says, no, no, so here's the better way. In Christ, you're connected. Now you can, you can make someone else look good because if they're in Christ, you all win. Um, and you protect and honor with the truth. Of course, the, the greatest truth we speak to one another is the truth of Christ. We, we remind one another of what is true, of where real life is found and where it's not. Uh, we remind one another that, that real life is in the Creator is in Christ and our identity in Him. As we speak that truth of Christ to one another, we're all, we're all built up. And of course, it's going to overflow to the world that is trapped in the big lie, like we were, more and more that's going to overflow, and the, the testimony and the light is going to shine, um, the truth that is in, in Christ. We speak forth the truth of Jesus, knowing that the truth of Him will set us free. Put off falsehood, Speak the truth. It's harder than we think. Because it's deeper than we think. But what it gets us wrestling with is the very heart of our hope and our life. And, and so allow your, yourself to go to where life really is in Christ. Uh, even use something like lies to, to get you there. Uh, cling to him and then let that flow out into your being. Your life built on him we speak the truth in him. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would shine the light of your truth in each heart. Lord, that you would expose that which is, was, which is false. Lord, show it for the destructive thing that it is. And Lord, bring us true life in you. Thank you for your word, that it is that light to our path. Lord, shine the light for us this day and in the days ahead, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's respond to God's word. We'll turn over to our final hymn on page six. Have thine own way, Lord, as we commit ourselves to him. Please stand with me.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.